Tonight's Bible reading comes from Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. A little over a month ago, um, one of my really good friends and was also actually a mentor passed away from COVID. He was in the Philippines, in Cebu City, where I grew up, and uh, he was a pastor, a pastor of a very, um, uh, he was faithful to his, to his church ministry. And, and so he, was, he had this heart for the poor and the vulnerable and the marginalized, and so he really helped me understand what that looked like as a pastor. Uh, it was actually in this place that I grew up in. And so when, when the news of him passing away, and um, most likely the Delta variant, uh, it was such a big blow to me. Uh, and I found out his son also passed away from it. Uh, his other son had it as well, and the only reason he survived was because he had one jab. Uh, he, he had the one jab, the rest of the family didn't, because simply they just ran out in the community. There's, there's allotment, and it depends whether you get it or not. And so as I thought about that, I thought about all the pain and suffering that I've seen in the last year and a half. Uh, in, in the line of work that I'm in, I, I get to read the reports, I get to see the images, and it's, it's quite confronting. One of the areas as well is uh, I read just recently in the Asia-Pacific Baptist Federation Digest, in one of the pages, just a number of pastors, Baptist pastors that have passed away in the Asia-Pacific. Hundreds upon hundreds. And as I read that, I, it just made it real. Names upon names. And it's not just names. It's not just churches. It means there are communities that are mourning the loss of their pastor. And so as the, the last three months, particularly as we go into this lockdown, as the Delta variant ravages the world, I, I was actually praying to God and going, man, this is really hard, God. And as I prayed and asked what, what, what's going on to lead me um, within my five-kilometer radius, I could walk by the George's River and just ask and cry out to God, I, I remember him just drawing me back to a word that he revealed to me last year in the first lockdown. 
And the word is a Filipino word, which led me to a Bible passage, um, the one that is read to us today. And the word is corona. Corona meaning crown, because that's a Filipino word that says because of the Spanish influence. And yes, it's the same word as coronavirus, like the same word we get coronavirus from, because it kind of looks like a crown microscopically. And what God, I felt, was challenging me with is what kind of crown or what kind of kingship are you looking to? What kind of kingship are you being ruled by? Are you being ruled by this kind of kingship that has everyone in the world bowing down to it and the fears and the effects of it? Or the kind of kingship that is on Jesus' head? Or that kind of lordship? And as I prayed about that, that's how I was led to Matthew 25 about the king. It is this kind of like apocalyptic, apocalyptic parable or a revealing parable. Now, if you understand Matthew 25, 24 to 25, you know that this is at the latter part of Jesus' public ministry. It was probably a couple of days before his betrayal um, and before his crucifixion. And so Jesus was giving this intimate, this personal, this really important teaching to his disciples. He starts in the latter part of chapter 24 where he talks about being watchful, being alert to who you are and what we are about. He goes on to 25 and talks about being ready all the time. He talks about, in this, in this chapter, um, the parable of the talents or the, ten, or the bags of gold, where he's saying, whatever is given to you, make sure you use it. Make sure you activate it. But for what purposes? For kingdom purposes. And so we get to the latter part of chapter 25, and we get this parable of the sheep and the goats, a revealing parable. And in that passage, there is this word that he calls his people. And this is the thing that I want to drive today and hopefully encourage you with today, wherever you're at. What I want to encourage you with is this word that Jesus calls them. And he calls them my righteous, my righteous ones, my right doing ones, my justice keeping ones. Because as the world for the disciples is about to be turned upside down, as they're about to be squeezed and tested in who they are, Jesus is saying, do not forget who you are. Do not forget to be watchful, to be alert, to always be ready. Don't forget, as the distraction of the world happens, to continue to practice who you are. Whatever is invested into you, whatever God has given you, the capacity he's given you, make sure you use it. Be a good and faithful servant. Make sure you be, continue to remember who you are. You are my righteous ones. And my righteous ones bow down to King Jesus, not the other kings or the lordships of this world. And so there's two things I want to encourage you with today. Uh, and I, I hope it does, it does bless you and bless and understand, uh, help you understand in who we are, who you are as a people of God. The first one is, I think, what Jesus was highlighting, that his righteous ones, his right-doing ones, his justice-keeping ones, are to stand with those in need. To stand with those in need. You see, Jesus' ministry, as you would see in his public ministry, you would see that he's always trying to restore, to redeem, to reconcile a lost world to himself. That's why in his public ministry, you'll see him always, be, he's everywhere, but you will see him often 
uh, at the margins, with the vulnerable, with the ones who are sick. And, and every time uh, religious leaders or people who, uh, who wanted to push back on him, he would always point back to the Father saying, well, I'm just reflecting the Father's heart to restore, to redeem, to reconcile. I have come for the sick, not the well, right? That's what Jesus says. And so it is not a surprise in this revealing parable that when times get tough, when we are truly tested in who we are, Jesus is actually looking for his, his disciples, his followers, to be standing with those in need, right? So today's time, he's not necessarily, as good as it is, he's not necessarily, Jesus isn't necessarily looking and scouring the world who is doing the best online church. As great as that is, as useful as that is, or looking at for who pivoted the best in the world. What he is looking for are his people continuing to be alert, to be watchful, ready, using their capacity, and standing with those in need. Last year, uh, when the first lockdown happened, I could feel the anxiety of my children, uh, particularly the eldest one. He, he, I, could, I could see that it was starting to affect him. And so I, with my kids, I had to go through this process of trying to explain to them who they are made in the image of God and who we are as a family, as followers of Jesus. Because it's easy to go down the route of fear, of anxiety, of pain. And all those things are very valid things to feel. Uh, don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is we don't have to be ruled by them. That makes sense. And so one of the things that I always pointed my kids to was who we are as a people of God. How can we be continuing to pray for the vulnerable, the marginalized overseas as well as in our local communities? How can we continue to join our local church in the things they are doing for the local community? I remember in my research, I got all the way down to the first 300 years of the church because I was trying to explain to my children that throughout history, there's always been wars, there's been pandemics, but the Christians, they continued to persevere. In fact, a lot of them in history have always pioneered work for the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the poor during times of war or times of pandemics. As people forget them, the Christians are always pioneering new ground in those areas. And I got down to the first 300 years of uh, church history, and I, I, I read reflections on how the church spiked in their growth, growth in that first 300 years, so much so that they toppled the Roman Empire. And as I read about reasons and different things, I want to share with you two reasons. One is the Holy Spirit was just doing his thing and growing the early church, right? That's, that's number one reason. But number two, there were actually two global pandemics that happened. Well, Roman global pandemics that happened. They described it, Christian and non-Christian historians described it as like an Ebola virus, highly infectious. As they described that moment, they talked about the times where, where the rich just up and left to their you know, countryside and, and isolate themselves while the city was infested with that virus. They talked about how family members would kick out their own family members outside their homes because they were infected and they, they were fearful of catching it. They talked about um, people praying to the different many gods and just losing hope as, as they prayed, people still fell ill people still died. They talked about dead bodies being piled everywhere. I'm sorry to be quite descriptive about it, but I'm just trying to paint you a picture. 
Because actually, that is a reality that's happening in our world today. But these Christians and non-Christian historians talk about this group of people who follow Jesus. This group of Christians who stayed in their cities. These Christians who stayed and loved the vulnerable and the marginalized. It spoke about Christians who would go to their neighbors who have been abandoned by their families because they contracted a disease. And they would, they, these Christians would nurse their neighbors back to health out of that bed. But sometimes they would contract a disease and occupy that same bed and die in their place. In their deathbeds, these historians would record how these Christians would say I, they count it as an honor and a privilege to die in the same way Jesus did, loving someone else. I, I found that to be quite confronting and challenging. Now, I'm not saying let's, be, let's, be, <laughs> let's break the rules and restrictions. I'm not saying that at all. Let's make sure we obey those. What I'm saying is do not be ruled by this fear, this anxiety that keeps people to themselves or selfish or haughty, but instead be ruled by King Jesus and his kingdom. And that's why, as this revealing parable shows, they are standing with those in need. In the area that you're about to support in Cambodia as we shift towards that country, in this pioneering work, this area is, um, as most of the country, less than 1% Christian. I would say because this is a remote village or remote villages, there's even much less than the national average. So less than 1% at best. In this place, there are no church buildings. There are no temples. Um, but you know who's there? The partners, our partners, our brothers and sisters who go in there and get to see who Jesus is. Last year, I was able to travel to Cambodia. I can actually say that I traveled to Cambodia last year, back in February and March. I was able to bring pastors with me and supporters. They were able to see the work that we were doing in Cambodia. And one of the things that, um, as we walked through this big temple, it's called Angkor Wat. It's, it stood for thousands of years, uh, a thousand years. Uh, and as we went back and he reflected on it, he said, you know, Marv's like, it was really great to see that temple. It was great to see the human um, in ingenuity in building that thing out of stone and lasted a thousand years. But you know what? It's actually a dead temple. It's actually good for nothing except for tourism. And then he said, how awesome is it that the people of God are a living temple? Because of the Holy Spirit in us, we're not bound by buildings. We're not restricted by it. We continue to be who we are. And so in these communities, as our brothers and sisters enter into it, like this new community that we're talking about, first year, they have no church buildings. They have no church communities necessarily. But these faithful brothers and sisters enter into these communities and they are the people of Jesus. As they stand with the vulnerable and marginalized, they become the temple of Jesus in that space. And that's why we get to, the, the people that get to experience the temple of Jesus. One of the um, stories that I want to encourage you and then I'll go into my last point is this picture. We, I took this picture and uh, it was in this community that was in year nine. So we're going to year one. The, the children you will be sponsoring is in year one. These ones are in year nine. They're graduating. We want to make sure we graduate our children and our youth to make sure they can stand on their own feet. And the person on the left there, the tallest one, she is now a volunteer 
um, teacher in, the, in their local community. She's halfway through studying, becoming a teacher. Um, one of the things that we've, I found out was that she was actually one of the child sponsors um, in the last nine years. And as we asked her her dream, she goes, my dream is, even after Baptist World Aid moves on, my dream is to, child, uh, to start my own child clubs in this community, to raise my own, the teachers from this local village as well. That's what happens. That's what happens in the kingdom economy. And you know what? When Cambodia shut down all their schools, guess which teachers continued to help their communities? Girls like her. She continues to. She continues to dream. She continues to activate the local community members to make sure they have the right information around coronavirus, around where they can access help. They are the ones coordinating the children, the youth coordinators are the ones coordinating the help in the local community. How brilliant is that? And so as Jesus looks to uh, ask his righteous ones to stand with those in need, Jesus also um, is, is saying that the righteous ones stand with and for Jesus. It's really interesting when we get to the part in the parable where the sheep and the goats say to Jesus, um, Jesus, I remember when we were feeding people, where we were clothing people, when we were taking care of the sick and, and the opposite for the, for the goats. But they say, we don't remember seeing you there, Jesus. And then King Jesus says, whoever you did it to, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you actually did it to me. Jesus, following like the Old Testament God, always identified with the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the poor. In the Old Testament, it would usually be the orphan, the widows, uh, the poor, the refugees. Usually those four, four areas. And so Jesus here, not surprisingly, is also aligning or identifying himself with the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the poor. Because when they're, God's society is about including everyone, not just the few elite, right? He wants to make sure access is to everyone. And so Jesus continues to do that. And you see, the kind of king we have is not the king who is God distant somewhere on his throne, issuing out his decrees. The kind of God we have, the kind of king we have, is someone who came down from his throne. In Philippians 2, it says he shed his royal robes. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. This is the kind of king that we have. The kind of king that we have is not a God who is distant, but a God who is with us. And so Jesus may be surprising to many of us today, surprising, surprised particularly in this parable, that, oh, you were there. You're already there. And the beautiful thing about that is, is that means because of his resurrection, Jesus is already Lord in the places that we seek to work in. Jesus is already Lord in Nawi and the surrounding areas. Jesus is already Lord over Australia. Jesus is already Lord over Uganda, Cambodia, Nepal. Jesus is already Lord over this global pandemic. Can you believe that? And so the, the responsibility we have is that where we see where Jesus is at work, because he's already Lord, and we just look to join him and to stand with him and for him. What great news. Jesus does all the work. He asks us to be watchful, 
to be alert, to be prayerful, to be faithful, to be who we are as his righteous ones. I, was, I came across um, this um, during when the Delta variant was ravaging across India and Nepal and the South Asia. One of our partners was interviewed and I came across all these um, correspondence. This one stood out to me. This is what he said, Vijeta, uh, from Nepal. Often we feel down, exhausted, and confused when we hear so many sad news. Friends and family who are sick or dying. We are surrounded with bad news and crisis. But our work has to go on. We cannot stop the work of reaching out and giving help. You hear the righteous ones standing out here? In this pandemic, this last line is, is critical. In this pandemic, there are many needs. One of them is hope. One of them is hope. There are many needs, physical needs, great needs. Absolutely. Absolutely, we need to be part of that. But one, if you were to dig deeper, one of them is hope. And that's why I'm saying, not anyone else, I'm saying that there are, one of the things that I'm discerning is there is this hopelessness pandemic. Beyond the real global pandemic that's going on, if you were to go deeper into it, something that's affecting us now and also when we're trying to recover and restore one day is hopelessness pandemic. And so let me share with you one passage that gave me encouragement, hopefully encourages you as well. This is in Romans 5. This is verse 3 to 5. A lot of us would, many of us might know this passage. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering can, like it produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because, of God's, uh, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so it, sh- it shows us how we can approach suffering and pain. You could see it, but because of Jesus, we can go deeper into perseverance, resilience, deeper into the depth of character, deeper into that hope. And there is this rhythmic cycle that we kind of go to. But how can we do that? Just want to highlight the passage, two passages before that, which is in verses 1 and 2. And this is a different translation just to help us understand. Feel free to read it at your own translation. By enter, so this is Romans 5, verses 1 to 2. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, or in NIV, peace, or shalom. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus, or our King Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God, we, we throw it open to God, and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown his doors open to us. Um, he, and, and because of this, we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praises. So, option, perseverance, perseverance versus character, character, hope, this cycle, that can only be done because we are standing on King Jesus' grace. The opposite is also true. The opposite can have the same effect. Perse- suffering happens. Hopelessness or pain happens. It pushes us into helplessness. Pushes us into pain. More helplessness. More about our character that, we, that God doesn't care about us or people don't care about us. And deeper and deeper it goes and becomes hopelessness. And so... What do the kingdom family bring to the table during this hopeless pandemic? The hope of Jesus. 
standing on his grace, we can be confident in being able to say that, right? And that is, that is why it's so beautiful that when Jesus calls his righteous ones, he calls us to stand with those in need. He calls us to stand with him and for him. But we can do, only do that. We can only say we can stand, not because of our strength and our brilliant mind, but because of our King Jesus himself. I hope that makes sense. Let me close off with their story, this final story. Again, let's go back to Cambodia. This place that we visited, um, we met this man named Meng. All right? He was a man in his 70s. He was quite old. He had a disability. And as we went into this community, we found out that, again, in the nine years, at the start of it, no one wanted Baptist World Aid. They were our partners. In fact, they were skeptical because they've seen people come and go, and they just come and go. They don't stay. But Baptist World Aid came to be able to stand with them for nine years and say, we want to help you stand on your own feet as well. And so nine years ago, Meng was very skeptical about us going there. But now he's saying, it's changed my life. He was so proud. He showed us his farm. He showed us all the vegetables and all the fruits that he was growing. He told us about the the irrigation um, river canal that he helped build with his own hands. This is a community that has no road, had no road coming into it. He helped build a road coming into it. He said, make sure you visit. He goes, make sure you visit the school that I helped build with my hands. He kept referring to his hands. And as we said, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll make sure we visit it. Anyway, we're, we're, we're sitting down at the end of it, of the tour, over his fish farm. And as he was sitting down, he started, his, his voice started, he started to share his story. He started, his voice started to go somber a little bit. A little bit, sounded like it was a bit depressed. He said, you know, more than... More than 10 years ago, I actually wasn't proud of anything I did. And he was looking at his hands again. And this was being done through a translation. He said, you know, when I was young, I was part of the Khmer Rouge Army. And the Khmer Rouge Army, for those of you who don't know, were a regime uh, that had power between 75 to 79 <clears throat> and absolutely wiped, uh, caused such trauma to the, to the people of Cambodia. Uh, millions dead in around a third of the population wiped out. You can read it yourself, but the trauma that was caused in 75 to 79, because they continued to be somewhat in power in different parts, they continue, the trauma continued to today, generationally. And he was talking about how I was part of that. He said, my hands, and he goes through, my hands were used, the word translated was thuggery. That's what it was used for. That's what I was doing with my hands. It's like hell on earth, basically. In this local community that he was part of, the local community that we're starting work in now, it was 85% former Khmer Rouge soldiers. Can you imagine that, trying to restore from that? Anyway, he said around 10 years ago, Baptist World Aid came with the partners. He said life started to change. He said I started to transform the way he saw himself. He said I started to transform the way I saw my hands. I saw that my hands could actually create things, build things, make things, guide my family for the future generation. And as he was saying that, a bunch of the supporters were just crying. <laughs> Who wouldn't? You know, we're in the middle of nowhere. There's no church in sight, but you can feel the tangible presence of Jesus there. And as we were crying, the, the translator were crying. I was the leader, so I had to keep it together, you know. 
Um, and then uh, as, as that was happening, I, I spoke to one of our partners and I said, maybe we can pray for him. And so we asked, can we pray for you? He says, yeah. And so I asked one of the pastors to pray for him. And it was just this beautiful moment. I thought it was done. Then Meng looked at his hands, stood up, and then he said, can I pray a blessing for you? <laughs> we were just like, what is going on here? And then he just started praying a blessing over us in, Kham- in Khmer. We couldn't understand anything because the translator was completely lost in tears. I didn't know what he was saying, but I knew it was from this white, hot faith, praying a blessing over us. You see, the blessing about that situation, the encouragement about that situation is, it's not just we stand with those in need, you know, like as if we are the saviors. It's not just we stand with them. It's not, and it's great that Jesus is already there and already Lord, but in both those things put together, the main thing that Jesus wants to see is that they are able to do that, stand on their own feet and see that they can be a blessing, recover who they are made in the image of God, pledge their lordship to Jesus. That is the main thing. And so when we saw that, we were just like, oh, wow, he can stand on his own feet. And he can pray a blessing over these foreigners from Australia that he's never met before. This is my prayer for us um, during this time of hopelessness pandemic, over this time of hardship. This is my prayer for you. Um, now we Baptists. Uh, and so please let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us identity that you give us assurance in who we are, in who you are, King Jesus, in your grace, in your forgiveness, in your love and compassion. Help us to be your people. I pray, Lord, for every person watching this from Nawi Baptist Church and beyond. I pray, Lord God, that wherever they're at, that you are actually present with them already, that you are also there, that you cannot be contained by walls. And I pray, Lord God, that you will reveal and show to them who you are and how good you are and how you are at work in this world. Thank you, Lord. Help us to remember that we are your righteous ones, the ones who are right doing, justice keeping, standing with those in need, standing with you and for you as well. In Jesus' name we pray.